welcome to Otaku the Town, a podcast about anime, I guess, or whatever. I'm Elliot. I'm Kayla. I'm Paul. And as always, so far, we are here to talk about the anime in Naruto. I am extra excited this week because we are joined live in our studio by Zoro, a beautiful black and white beast of destruction and devastation, the sultriest cat I've ever seen. He's currently hiding behind a chair. Oh, oh, oh and he's up god. on top of it. Oh, no. oh my god. I'm so and sorry. And now he's exiting the room. No, this is great. This is now a cat cast. Scrap Naruto. We are going to describe the, the beauties of your cat. Uh, for the next 45 minutes. I am the only one of the hosts that does not have a cat, so if anything, I may be the most distracted in this episode, but we'll see. Paul is constantly lured by the siren song of any feline. Mm-hmm. He's easily charmed by their feline wiles. They'll really come am. over to our side someday. It's just a matter of time, and Zoro will probably be the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Look at that beast. Look at that majestic beast. Oh. Wow. As always, uh, we start off this podcast with a question for each of our hosts, uh, just to kind of break the ice, get the discussion flowing. Uh, So this week, uh, we saw uh, in the anime, something I guess we've seen several other times in the anime, but it stuck with me, uh, the use of clones. Uh, Specifically, Zabuza has all of these water clones, and and I really like the clone technique in this show because clone is kind of a slang for, like, useless distraction. Like, clones (laughs) just kind of appear when you need something to be destroyed, but nothing meaningful can actually happen. Haku says that they're 10% of the original's power, which seems wildly overestimating it. Indeed. Also, even if that is the number, what's the point? Like, maybe if you needed to, like, slaughter a lot of villagers? I don't know. Anyway, maybe that's just where my brain goes. Uh, But the question that I thought would be neat is, if we could make clones, if we were ninjas, what would our clones be made of? We've seen shadow clones, which I think are made of air or maybe wood. wood. Chopped wood. Uh, Well, I don't think we've seen wood clones yet. Those, I think, are just the replacement technique, Mm. which is different in a way that has never technically been explained. Okay. But Zabuza has clones made of water, and presumably other ninja have clones made of other dumb things. So if we had clones of ourselves, what would our clones be made out of? Presuming that these clones didn't actually get hurt or anything like that, we were going outside of elements or whatever, I would love it, and not just because my cat is here, but I would love it if my clones were just made of cats. (laughs) So that when they disband, they just... (laughs) million uh, cats go everywhere. It's very distracting. There's chaos. I just, I love the sound of it. A kunai hits you and it's just, there's a swarm of cats. Cats everywhere. Yep. I Uh, like that. Mine would definitely be uh, a sheaf of paper that'd be like either like a legal pad or just like a a legal memo. Mm. Uh, And then just like a bunch of like cases. And there's the cat just, oh, there we go. There Mm -hmm. we went. Uh, but yeah, no, it, 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 you'd, I'd be hit with a knife or something, and there would just be like this this shriek of just like uh, the Supreme Court justice from 300 years ago screaming. And my clones would, of course, be made out of garbage. So this week, we're going to talk about episodes 12 through 14, uh, starting with episode 12, Battle on the Bridge, Zabuza Returns. In this episode, uh, Naruto and Haku chat in the woods. Naruto and Sasuke uh, learn how to climb trees and also how to fall in love. Uh, Inari gets called a crybaby by Naruto. And Zabuza and Haku show up at the bridge to kill everybody. Um, 
we see Haku out in the woods in a uh, pink yukata gathering herbs, and he he runs into Naruto. He's actually led to Naruto by birds, uh, which I thought was kind of weird and beautiful. And Naruto's unconscious, so it has kind of the Snow White feeling about it, don't you think? I also thought Snow White, very yeah. Disney princess. Totally, totally. Um, and it's it's worth pointing out, Haku is dressed very androgynously in a yukata. Um, both men and women wear yukatas in Japan, uh, but his is pink, um, his long hair is down, um, and there's a lot of stuff we could comment on about Haku in this episode that we're not really very qualified for as three cis people. Just to synopsize, um, Haku it presents fairly androgynously. Um, Naruto actually misgenders Haku as she. Um, Haku corrects Naruto and says, by the way, I'm a boy. And Naruto, um, to his credit, is not as shitty about it as he could be. Um, he's just like, oh, but you were so beautiful. Um, and not like, he seems a lot more surprised shock, than but no, <laughs> Yes, it's a moment of shock, but there's no immediate anger or anything like mm-hmm. that, which is... Uh, he actually says something I really like. I know we're jumping ahead, but uh, he says something I really like, which is, the world is full of mystery. Yes, and I thought that was One of my favorite too. writers and also podcasters says this thing uh, whenever they encounter something that is like, very baffling to them, but, you know, but oh, just kind of a way to acknowledge that, you know, things are complicated and I'm, you know, I don't want to pass judgment on something is... Uh, just because you don't know what it is. Uh, yeah. Totally. Uh, they say, life is such a rich tapestry. <laughs> uh, and I really like that, that I've adopted that as my own response to something like unexpected, but obviously not something I want to judge. The cat is now on top of the cabinet. This is out of control. Is he? Oh, where he has sure he is. Zoro. He's up on... How? The- How did he get up there? He's like 20 feet off the ground. He's really putting on a show. <laughs> he is. He's posing for us. He has never... <laughs> he's just staring us down. He's like, oh what? This is my domain. Oh. How? What? Oh. How did he get up there? Um, he went over to where the cabinet is on the left, and uh-huh. he just kind of leapt straight up in the air. Zoro, can you even get down <laughs> without injuring yourself or me? <laughs> well, you live yeah. there now. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye. I'm just delighted. I just really bad. What's going on? I really yeah. And Zoro is our birds. He's mm-hmm. going to lead us to our incapacitated anime boy. Um, <laughs> I he wouldn't. He wouldn't. <laughs> so for listeners who might also enjoy other anime series, Zoro is named after Roronora Zoro from the series One Piece, who is a pirate that is known for a three-sword style of fighting. He's also notorious for having the worst sense of direction ever to a laughable extent and about 10 minutes after i had zoro he got lost in my shower curtain so and now he's trapped on top of the cabinet so he's been aptly named here's a DD third edition character of a very bad intuit direction check indeed a very useful skill that was limited in 3.5 yep i'm so sorry i'm gonna go get him back after solving a brief cat-related emergency. Uh, just imagine this cat is here with you. The cat It's its part of the podcast. The cat's in your lap as you drive to work and listen to us, or on your counter as you're cleaning your house, listening to your podcast. Kayla's giving me the most alarmed look right now. Or perhaps a cat um, is up on top of your cabinet. <laughs> up on top of your cabinets, meowing at you for help. Yep. Um, because he does not know how to jump down from where he can jump up. Uh, so... Uh, Haku is out in the woods and spies this uh, passed out Naruto. Naruto is passed out from training so hard. 
Um, and then it seems as though Haku is going to attack Naruto. Um, it's, it's like very deliberate. Like Haku like reaches his hand towards Naruto, like he's going to choke him. But uh, but no, he does not. He like kind of tenderly pats Naruto and wakes him up and chides him. Uh, we're told that this is actually not the first time that Naruto has trained until he passed out in the woods. Uh, we we have a cutaway to uh, Sakura and Kakashi back in the house uh, talking about how Naruto keeps passing out. And I thought it was remarkably blasé of Kakashi to not really give a shit about Naruto passing out in the woods when there's a terrible killer ninja hunting them down. I agree completely, because it's clear that Kakashi has some reservations about accepting the idea that Zabuza could actually be dead and Mm -hmm. taken care of. He definitely has some reservations about it, so the fact that they just leave Naruto out there, it's great that they're like, oh, he'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. I, I I would worry. And in this episode, he does almost die. Like, Haku reaches his hand down to strangle Naruto. Uh, but fortunately, he decides not to. Um, he takes some pity on Naruto. Um, Naruto's such a child. Like, Haku asks Naruto, what are you doing out here? And Naruto just says, training! <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a 10-year-old, which I guess he is a 10-year-old, so... Uh, yeah. Do we know? Are they 10? Are they 12? I feel like we've talked about this before. In that, somewhere in that area, I always kind of considered them like junior high, kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, awkward middle school age sort of deal. Totally. Seventh grade. It is wild. Like, I know I say this a lot, but this world is about training children to kill. Ender's Game, Hunger Games. Sure. It's weirdly a common trope. Mm Mm-hmm. It's horrible. <laughs> well, and I love it because this show makes no effort to unpack it. It's it's only celebrated. We've been raising an army of children forever. What are you talking about? This is just what we do. Totally. I think after Haku's interaction with Naruto, we cut back over to the gang, and Sasuke says that he's going to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. He's obviously going to look for Naruto. I don't know why he's trying to be coy about this relationship. He's so worried about him. It's like, Naruto isn't here to eat. He, you know, he's not sleeping in his bed. He's going on a walk to remember. So how can I? How can I eat and how can I sleep? When, he's not here beside me. Mm-hmm, it's, it's impossible to think of. So I know we touched on this. Um, throughout this moment between Naruto and Haku, Naruto is misgendering Haku, which I think... I don't know. So, so much of me about this podcast is about like looking at anime from the perspective of people who have watched some anime but are neither like diehard anime fans nor total like anime plebeians. I think I think a lot of people, especially a lot of nerds, have that experience of like, oh yeah, I've watched some anime, but I'm not like into it. Um, and I, I think that's in- one of the things that makes this podcast interesting. But we hope. Well, I do, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're still here, um, but I think one of the things you get with that is this, or at least something that I definitely had, is this idea that like Japan is this like. Uh, like magical place where queerness and gender are treated differently and like you know we can't look at any of these things through our western lens because it's so different over there and it's just you know it's like a total and obviously it is a totally different culture and we're not you know like i'm i don't want to say that we're like qualified to unpack anything but gender identity is still a huge issue in japan like absolutely is and it's always a bad idea when you're othering something just because you admire it. Don't totally. put something on a pedestal just because you admire it. You have to just be careful and realize that what you're seeing, the image that you might be developing of Japan and Japanese culture through the lens of an anime is going to be extremely inherently flawed. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
Uh, and so, you know, with that in mind, I, I, it's funny because I have no problems calling out, like, troubling things with Sakura. Like, there are so many, like, unfortunate narratives that Sakura falls into as the girl uh, where she, like, doesn't get to do anything and all she cares about is boys. But as soon as we start talking about, like, you know, like, uh, gender identity, I suddenly, like, want to, like, shh shut down be like oh well oh gasp but i don't i don't know like what what can i say about this um yeah and like i you know i, I want to say like oh it's it's good that they do this you know it's good that naruto isn't like grossed out like that that is mm-hmm. a, a narrative that you often see they with want trans to applaud him for not flying into a rage exactly which yeah which is sad and the haku is an antagonist but one of if not the most sympathetic antagonists on the show exactly so that's certainly. something it's kind of hard we'll to yeah see even more of as this particular <laughs> arc with Haku continues is that speaking from or just looking at him from the lens of just a moral compass he's so complex and so interesting Mm -hmm. because from what we know of his past he seems like a character that would have a very cut and dry sense of what is right for them and what is wrong for them and Mm -hmm. what they'll do to get what they want and instead we see Haku in a moment where he could have just slain an adversary instead we consider for kind of no reason that's immediately evident to us. Not only reconsider, but Haku is incredibly kind to Naruto. He is. Haku spends time, so they go on to talk about, like, Haku talks about, like, Naruto's dreams with him. Um, Haku's one of the nicest characters in Naruto in the whole series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially well, characters, also... you know, that, that the first impression. I mean, you know, Haku doesn't initially hate Naruto, like, at least, you know, almost everybody else does. What's mm-hmm. interesting is he's not just ni- nice, he's extremely polite. He's actually speaking in a far more formal form hmm. of Japanese than a lot of the other characters do, um, and chooses his words a little more carefully, I think. He uses less colloquialisms, and it's hmm. just more... So I wonder if there's maybe something behind that veneer of politeness. Sometimes the people who are really polite and nice to you are the people who want to kill you the most. That, but you never sure. know. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me. I don't trust anyone. But they go on, like, uh, like Haku asks, like, why are you training? And he, like, mm-hmm. asks Naruto to, like, unpack shit to him. Right, so, he just uh, wants to understand people. Right? Like. Sure. Uh, so Naruto says he's... he's <laughs> um, I don't... Do I even need to welcome you to the Gay of the Ninja? <laughs> like, these, these episodes, this whole arc is... Hello and welcome to the Gay of the Ninja. Yeah, this is One so, of our favorite subsections of Otaku the Town. It's so gay. It's all so gay. Uh, so Naruto says the reason he's training is to prove stuff to somebody, who is obviously Sasuke. I mean... Yeah. Who do you want to prove things to more in the world than your lover? Well, but it, it's great because Haku goes on and he's like, who, like, do you want to prove stuff for that person or for you? Like, not just like, what are you doing this for? But like, is it actually for them or is it for like your idea of them? Uh, Which actually encroaches upon like a very complicated level of like relationship discussion. I've had friends in toxic relationships where it's like, are you doing this for them or are you doing it for you? Because you know what the right answer is. Totally. I was really taken aback by that. I felt like personally attacked by that question. A little bit, yeah. I reeled on my couch. I was like, oh my God. Like, is this still Naruto? Haku is easily the most mature character that we've encountered, including the 158 million year old Hokage. Well, the 158 million year old Hoka- Hokage age is... does not come sophistication. Yeah, indeed. He has the emotional maturity of a 12 year old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, Dare we touch upon the sexy no jutsu again? No, Lord. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we shan't. The, uh, the untouchable jutsu. Another thing I liked about this encounter. Yeah, the unforgivable jutsu. <laughs> the unforgivable. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the here's the killing jutsu, the the mind control jutsu, and that one. Those are the three. The Torture jutsu. That one's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> oh Lord, I've already finished my beer. <laughs> Another moment that I enjoyed between Naruto and Haku is this glimpse that we get a little bit of the ninja that Naruto is going to become. You start to notice a pattern in the way that he interacts with people that he hasn't met before. We saw it a little bit with Inari, and we saw it a little bit with Tazuna even, and now we're seeing it with Haku, where Naruto seems to be able to immediately empathize with people. Like, he cuts through all this red tape and all this crap of immediately meeting somebody, and they just start sharing their dreams with one another. And Naruto's really not into small talk. He's, no, it's, there's I no bullshit like, with Naruto. Right? Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Training! <laughs> he doesn't beat around the bush in any sense. He doesn't. And I feel like Haku walks away from that interaction with a lot more thought about who he is and what he's doing and why he's doing it than maybe Naruto would actually elicit in a person. But somehow he does. Totally. It's this sort of ineffable ability that he has well you know it seems like this show is about somebody who's like genuinely kind of an awesome person who's a terrible ninja and depending on who is doing the judgment of him you're going to come to a, a totally different conclusion mm-hmm. like like we see that in these three episodes uh, naruto's you know friends and companions and i say that with kind of a question mark in there the they alternately like praise these very real, real qualities that he has while also just like brutally mocking his Many failings. I'm excited for episode 14. Yeah, he's a, he's like a very he's a very kind, warm person who was just didn't ever have parents and just has no filter or sophistication that being raised by anyone would give you. <laughs> and so I, that's just kind of the, the the big takeaway from like the first 10, 15 episodes of the series. And he's also kind of emotionally uncautious. He doesn't sure. throw up walls or anything like that, which he could have. I mean, after being treated like that for the first 12 or so years of your life, it would seem like you wouldn't want to trust people and you wouldn't want to open up to them. Well, in Sasuke, it doesn't. He's, he's the, I mean, yeah. Yeah. he's got the opposite and also had was not raised by anybody, but is That's like That's why that. he's sort of a great, they're great foils to each other. Totally. I think we see here the, like, the three archetypes of traumatized orphans. Mm-hmm. The, like, emotionally open, the emotionally closed, and then ghosts. There's so much that I want to talk about that happens well, later I mean, in the series. Well, to be not as a joke, the emotionally open, emotionally closed, and like the emotionally needy. Mm-hmm. Sakura, sure. Sakura is needy in a way that neither Sasuke or Naruto is. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I love the narrative that she's haunted by the ghosts of her parents. <laughs> which she is. Uh, she which is. she is. No, it's accepted as canon now. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, I'm going to work on my fandom entry later. Thank you. Thank you. So Sasuke comes out to find Naruto, and he scolds him for not eating because he loves him, and he wants the best for him. Um, Naruto can now climb trees really, really, really well. Um, He almost falls to his death, but then Sasuke saves him, and it's a really beautiful and wonderful moment. We we cut over to Sabuza, and we see that he's not recovered enough to blow up apples with his hands, which I really like. I like ninja, like, like... Stepping stones, you know, like like Naruto. You know, Naruto has to climb a tree using chakra. So there's fall off instantly, and then there's get to a really high branch, and then fake your own death, and then almost die, <laughs> and then there's top of the tree. You know, there's no like there's no feet, you know, or meters. Like that's not how you measure success as a ninja. Whereas Zabuza has like knocked out 
He has has a kunai under his bed ready to kill his enemies, and then he has apple crushing. See, I like that moment because I really like petty displays of ninja power. Mm. Uh, like that's Zabio, he's using some amount of chakra there. Like he didn't probably just do it, but it's like just such a tiny, like insignificant moment. Mm-hmm. So then here's the question that I have. Was Zabuza using chakra in that moment, that cutaway moment where we're flashing back, he's standing over Haku, and Zabuza's shadow is actually a haunter. I cannot believe I skipped over this in our notes, uh, in my notes. I wasn't going to skip it no. because I wrote it in all caps with a lot of exclamation points. No, so so we. I'm just to quickly get to this moment. Um, so while Haku and Naruto are talking, God, I'm such an idiot. I'm I'm distracted <laughs> by a cat. Um, I can't. Be blamed. It's not your fault. Um, again, he's a he's a demon. It's what he does. So Haku asks if Naruto has someone precious in his life uh, because Naruto has just said I'm training really hard to prove something to somebody, um, and we have this flashback to Haku's past, which is devastating. We see Haku in this snowy town as an orphan, fighting wild dogs for trash to eat, and he kicks a wild dog, but then its puppies come out to defend it? It's a horrible moment. It's horrible. It's straight up awful. I, like, wanted to retch. And then poor starving orphan Haku is on this bridge, and Zabuza comes up to him. Zabuza, who is actually just like my cat, a demon. Mm-hmm. And this is back when Zabuza wore clothes, by the just way. Just to illustrate that fact, the animators decided that Zabuza's shadow should, in fact, be a haunter because nothing says this man has killed a lot of people like his shadow turning into a Pokemon. It's a really ghastly moment. Indeed. <laughs> Gengar. <laughs> I'm so glad that we got to complete that evolution cycle together, guys. I feel like we've gotten closer. Marowak. <laughs> um, anyway. So, so yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, I we, we see that moment again where Zabuza is casting the Haunter Shadow. And, I mean, obviously it's an anime, so they were reusing the one thing that they drew because they don't want to draw multiple things. Um, Budget, time constraints, etc. Yeah. But no, that is really interesting. It's like, a, a, like, is what is Zabuza projecting to this kid in this moment? You know, mm-hmm. is is this is this just symbolism? Is this, you know, like like the birds finding Naruto? Like it, you know, I don't know. Does it? Is what it, does it mean? Yeah, I don't know. What does it? What does it code exactly when you see it? When mm-hmm. you see it, what do you think of? Sure. Yeah. Haku is Snow White, and uh, Zabuza is Doctor Facilier. He's <laughs> control over shadows. <laughs> I don't get that reference. I don't at know all. the reference that's either. From the this, Princess and the Frog. This is a very like peak moment. Oh, okay, for Paul. Well, that's that's fine. Let's move on. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <sorry>. Naruto. <laughs> I've let you down, oh, Paul, Paul. You're so good. I knew this would come. I knew there would come a moment I've where you make a reference. I've actually only seen that movie once long ago. And utterly I'm in very the dust. <laughs> I should really brush up on my Disney knowledge. Oh, he's Paul. voiced by Keith David, who's great. Not to be confused with David Keith, who is another person. <laughs> beautiful person. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Paul the Pedia. Anyway, Naruto. Naruto. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> As a counterpoint to uh, Zabuza's recovery, Naruto and Sasuke have learned fully to climb trees. Uh, they are at the top of the trees, just kind of standing, and the moon is behind them, and they're looking really cool. Uh, and then uh, they burst into the house, and Sasuke is wearing a tired Naruto like a cape. Um, because they're so tired that Naruto can't walk anymore. That's how I wear all of my lovers. Same. Once the flame was actually made from two past lovers. <laughs> I keep them with me always. 
Once you learn how to tan the hide, it's pretty easy. <laughs> There's a, I'm being pulled in a strong direction towards a particular tangent, and I'm not going to go Tangent? There. Nope. Tanning leather. No. Tan their hide. Okay, did you ever read scary stories you tell in the dark? Is that the book? The black and white yeah, anthology yeah, the that has the really creepy, yeah, yeah. The famously creepy illustrations. So they republished them a few years ago with a diff- whole different set of illustrations because hmm. they're terrible people and they're like, kids are having nightmares. Clearly we can't publish these the way they were anymore. So naturally I went up and bought a set of the originals before Obviously. they went out of print. The story of Harold, the scared crow who murders farmers and then tans their skins on the roof of the farm. I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember, remember that either. Well, that's who you are. And Harold. now <laughs> you've come full circle. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Harold. Elliot is a scarecrow that has been haunting my dreams. I'm here to help. No. I'm the world's most scariest farmer. Harold. Harold. Pay me in your skin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I grow barley oats and tan humans hide. Those are my crops. <laughs> I'm Harold. I fertilize with your insides. Yep. Yep. I'm speechless in a really weird mixture of delight and horror. I don't really know how I feel right now. You know, at some fucking point in the 8,000 episodes of this show, there is an agricultural ninja who wears human skin. (laughs) On that note, toss in the comments that the bridge is almost done. Um, And there's a kind of a nice moment where he asks Kakashi kind of the question we're all asking, which is like, why the fuck are you still around? Like, I lied to you. This is a super dangerous mission. You're not getting paid enough for this. Not Uh, to mention you have a bunch of untrained kids with you. And you in particular are known for not being really cool about having kids die on your watch. Totally. Um, And Kakashi brings up a quote here that I really liked, uh, which is, to see what is right without doing it bespeaks a lack of courage, which is a quote from the fourth Hokage, the mysterious fourth Hokage, who sealed a demon fox inside Naruto and then vanished, never to be discussed except through vague mention for hundreds of episodes. Uh, but I, I really like that. Again, you know, like, we talked a lot in the last episode about how these episodes are actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of a killer quote right there. Yeah, they're hitting on much deeper themes of what strength is and what mm-hmm. courage is and, you know, how they can appear in different forms in different people. Totally. Um, Inari gets so mad at Naruto for working hard that he cries at the table and screams about the weak always losing to the strong and then runs away. Because that's kind of Inari's deal. Yeah, I do that sometimes. I also like that instead of Naruto being like, when Inari's like, you don't even know what pain is. Naruto's not going to dump his whole spiel on him and be like, you don't even know who I am. He's like, you know what? He can go cry forever. Totally. Bye. He just calls him a cry baby. It's amazing. Yeah, it, I I think you see some like tremendous emotional growth from Naruto in these episodes, uh, which isn't saying much because he you know it's such a low bar to clear, but and he'll go he'll go back and then advance. It's a very it's a very you know three steps forward, two steps back thing with Naruto. Definitely, it's really more like two and two point seven five feedback. But yeah, anyway. Well, and we've seen a lot of immaturity from Naruto, but there are also things that he's done since the very very beginning, since episode one that might read as immature cowardly but as you start to understand his past better you're like wait a minute you had a choice this whole time how you were going to handle your past how you're going to react to the way that people were reacting to you and he's actually chosen a pretty strong path from the beginning it just didn't look like strength when no one was around to contextualize it totally well I, I, again 
they're not good ninja traits. They're great person traits. Yeah. Like, Naruto's like a really solid dude. He's just really bad at his profession. He's very bad at <laughs> yeah. this profession. He's like your coworker who, like, cannot handle a spreadsheet to save his life, but is, like, really nice and, like, takes mm-hmm. good care of his kids. Yeah. Brings in cookies every Thursday, and you're like, I hope you never quit, Jan. You're wonderful. I hope you never do a fucking auto But, oh, my God, Jesus. I'm doing everything for you. I love you, Jan. I also really want you to quit. But I love you. I'm the coworker who brings in cookies. Elliot's a Jan. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So Inari runs off and, I don't know, there's kind of a nice moment between him and Kakashi where Kakashi's like, hey, Naruto's childhood sucked too. Um, I don't know. I was like, I was really torn during this. I was like, this is kind of sweet, but I'm, I'm just like, I'm over Dark Boy. I actually thought the most apt description of the entire show was something that Kakashi says in this moment. Mm-hmm. And that's when he says, Naruto might understand your feelings the most. Hmm. That is the best description of this show. That is a, yep. I feel like that As could just be the forward, subtitle. As we go forward, just wait and see every single scenario. Just slap that on it. <laughs> that's what it is. Boom, roasted. You got it. Got it in one. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, again, Naruto's a, a, an empath. Ninjas shouldn't be empaths. They should not. They have to kill. Your job is to kill Your people. Your whole job Usually. is to kill people, yeah. regardless of whether or not you like them. Sometimes their job is to retrieve cats from trees, though. <laughs> Your job is just to kill people, regardless of whether or not you like them, or to save cats. Or sometimes, <laughs> apparently, to plant potatoes. Yep. Although we never quite got into that mission. Naruto is uh, so fatigued from his training that they just kind of leave him behind while they go to finish up the bridge. Um, I really like that Naruto has his wonderful hat with him on this mission. I like that no matter how far he's traveling, he has to bring his his special little hat monster with him. Brought it with him. Um, He's 12. It's okay. Zabuzo and Haku show up at the bridge, which might have been a surprise if it wasn't literally the episode title, Battle at the Bridge, Zabuzo Returns. Uh, so I was glad to see that happen, finally. Um, really, really just got it in under the under the end there. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Naruto wakes up to run off to join them at the bridge anyway. So I, I thought that was kind of like a pointless thing. Like, Naruto, you're so tired. Rest all day. And Naruto's just like, no. Uh, so, okay, cool. Um, but then he sees a dead animal on the ground, and something happens, and it cuts away. Um... And we're, we're back to, to Zabuza and Haku at the bridge. Zabuza's taking out all the bridge workers. Not super clear if they're dead or not. I think they're, they're like, twitching. I mm-hmm. think they showed them moving a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're kind of inconsistent with, like, how murderous people are in this show. It's yeah. very it's very unclear. I feel like if they decided to incorporate more blood, we'd have a better idea. But mm-hmm. they decide not to do that. It's so. unclear how much of that is, like, this is a teen show versus how much of that is this is intentional to our narrative. Yeah, there's there's a lot of you know characters you know off screen or in their backstories are super murderous and kill tons of people, but mm-hmm. in the active events of the show, they don't want to do that. So and it's really no. interesting. There's definitely a different bar for active versus like passive, if you will, murder. Yeah. Passive is much easier to swallow. Sure. Yeah, it's like well, they're already dead. Yeah. Yeah. You're expected to care less because uh-huh. that's society. Well, because it's, it's happened. That's just what it is. Yeah. Huh. Hooray! That's just society. This is it's how we society. all process death. By the way. <laughs> oh, there's some. Some nice level there. Yeah, I know. I, um, <laughs> I contributed some bad sounds to that. <laughs> I feel like we got into talk of the frown territory there. Yeah, I mean, that's a secret. <laughs> um, the secret talk of the frown. Yes, no, so that's our secret podcast. No, no, no. Uh, I reject this. 
so uh, at the same time that Zabuza shows up at the bridge, uh, we see that Gato's like toughs or shitty samurai have shown up. At, I called them goons. House. Goons. I also switched to goons halfway yeah. through. Did somebody say the word goons in the episode? I'm not sure. I just like transition to goons. In I my also notes. feel like Goomba is good. I like that. Goons just Goon. feels apt here. Yeah, Naruto jumps on their heads when they they rip the old day. Yeah, it's a coin. We all know what you do with a Goomba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you touch it with your feet and it <laughs> dies. Zabuza makes a bunch of clones and he like calls out Sasuke for trembling because Sasuke is so scared of him. But then no, Sasuke is trembling with excitement and then he takes out the clones really fast because clones are useless garbage. Mm-hmm. I like how enthusiastic Kakashi was about it too he turns around and has this like dumb little smile on his face he's like just go for it yeah my kids have grown so much over the last week Zabuza you don't even know so proud he is such like a proud dad he is yeah that was a really fast transition from like hating these kids to being super proud of them Mm -hmm. all the time I Uh, think he's just afraid of how much he's gonna end up liking them yeah because you know then it hurts more when they die that's true when they inevitably die in this dark and terrible world (laughs) And uh, that's where the episode ends. Uh, So if you'll stick with us, we're going to take a real quick break and we'll be back. Hey, everybody, it's Elliot. I'm just jumping in to do my kind of mid-show business. Um, First off, I just want to say an apology if this episode was a little weirdly cut. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we had the double whammy of a uh, wonderful and majestic cat um, assaulting our recordings periodically and interrupting us, um, as well as Audacity deciding um, to eat its own butt um, and just kind of fuck off for a little bit. Um, which was really super fun. So the the Haku conversation that we had got kind of chopped and screwed, um, which is great because that's like a super important and like sensitive conversation that we wanted to do a good job on. And oh, well, um, hopefully it is fine. Um, if it's not, uh, please, you know, hey, this is a great opportunity to send us an email at otakuthetown at gmail.com. Um, let us know if we fucked up. I don't know. Um uh, thanks, as always, to Tony Whetstone for doing our art. Um, you can look up his stuff at MewBlood on Twitter. That's M-E-W-B-L-O-O-D. Um, also, oh, another thing that came up during the Haku conversation was um, I mentioned a, uh, a podcaster who I really like uh, who has that uh, wonderful quote, Life is a Rich Tapestry, and I omitted their name uh, because this episode was recorded so long ago that it has actually changed. Um, it was uh, Daniel Mallory Ortberg who said that and says that um and he is phenomenal um he's the current incarnation of dear prudence you should totally check out his podcast um or his articles um uh that's the dear prudence podcast or dear prudence at slate um or actually honestly just go look up the toast um it's like the best website that ever existed and it's defunct now but the archives are just glorious um speaking of this being an older recording this is actually our last older recording so anything you hear after this will have been recorded relatively recently which is really exciting to me um i felt like our back catalog would go on forever and we've caught up so soon and i can't believe we're still doing this dumb weird podcast um if you like the show please tell a friend uh give us a follow on twitter and if you want to write us a review that'd be fantastic um again feel free to send us emails whether it's because we fucked up something or you just like want to say hi um Paul suggested he could give ninja legal advice, so, like, go wild if you have questions about that. Um, I think that's everything. I feel like I've talked for way too long. Um, So, yeah. I don't know. I love you. Enjoy the rest of the show. (laughs)
and we're back with episode 13, Haku's Secret Jutsu Crystal Ice Mirrors. Um, Boy, are they. In this episode, uh, Haku and Sasuke fight a bunch, Haku briefly turns into a tornado, and Naruto saves Inari from some goons. Uh, so one thing to note for this episode, which will be relevant later, is the recap is about a minute and a half, which is kind of a long recap for a, such a short show. But um, all things considered, fairly whatever. You know, they go over some of the details of what's happening. They, like, relive the last few seconds. Um, you know, roughly 90 seconds of your life are taken up in recap. Kind of re- go over the cliffhanger so that, you know, you know why our, our heroes are hanging off a cliff. Indeed. You know, fine. Indeed. Oh my god, there's a cat. He's sniffing the microphone. He's adorable. He's so cute. Look at this sweet oh little pussy bear. Oh, I love him. We see Naruto running through the woods really fast, talking about how late he is. Kind of like he's like the rabbit from Alice <laughs> in Wonderland. He's just oh, like, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. And he like hops from tree to tree like a weird cat man. He keeps checking his pocket watch. Indeed, indeed. There have been a lot of jokes and spoofs made about how... The ninja go through trees on this show, mm-hmm. all over the internet and things like that. Even at comic cons, you just see people mimicking it and making fun of it. It's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Here's that the cat again. Paper the cat walking to, on paper. I love him. Um, there's a lot of slow face-offs between Kakashi and Zabuza and Haku and Sasuke. Um, there's a lot of. I just had a lot of thoughts about like animation budgets during this episode. Did you know that swinging from tree to tree is called brachiating? Really? Yeah. I, oh, actually, isn't, I feel like there's an ability called Brachiation in, like, an RPG or something. There's a magic card called Brachiate. Interesting. Yeah, it was, like, in the... It's, like, some Arcadian game... Masks, maybe? I don't know. Don't at me, listeners. When Haku starts fighting, he just spins really fast like a tornado. He sure does. He's just, like... He instantly whoa, whoa. becomes a small storm system. Indeed. He's like, look at how fast I can spin. And... As somebody, I, I do a lot of round kicks in my <laughs> somebody spins around class. No, I do, because when, when you're practicing a full hip turnover round kick, you're supposed to follow through on it, because if you're, like, stopping yourself in kick, you're not actually doing a full hip turnover. He's not doing a roundhouse. He's doing, like, Tanya Harding in 1991. Well, but I'm just saying, like, when I spin, like, ten times in a row doing a round kick, I'm, like, fucking dizzy, and, like, I have I have trouble. Like, he, yeah, no, exactly. He's, like, He'd an amazing skater. ice skater. Maybe that's maybe that's why he does it. Maybe he's fucking nailed that triple axle. He's an ice ninja. Maybe this is just foreshadowing his ice abilities. That's what it is. No, we we unpacked it. Don't do it. We got it. We do a double sound count. I retract all of my mockery. Haku is a beautiful ice skater. Uh, just pirouetting and pirouetting and pirouetting in a in a deadly ish flurry. If Haku was doing a long form ice skating routine, what would the music be that he skated to? Hold on. Do, 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 Sue ya. It's entirely possible. I hope, listeners, that you're actually watching this terrible anime with us. Because otherwise, that that clever musical joke is probably going to fall on some confused ears. Kayla's pulling something up on her phone. Representing Japan at the Lake Placid Olympics, (laughs) it's Haku. (laughs) Okay. All right, to throw my hat in the ring of what song it would be, I think it would be Gloria by Laura Branigan. I don't know it. Can I know you, you don't know it. Can you play me a sample? Do you want me to play you a sample? Yeah. It also goes with the Tanya Harding reference that I made earlier. <laughs> yep. 
This could be it. I can, this is what he I would can see. see it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> needles flying, taking out a third of the crop. Uh, it absolutely. would be. It would be beautiful. <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan would be really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that time, that joke is cut out of the episode. <laughs> No, it's okay. It's okay now. We've made a movie about it. We can talk about it. It's okay. fine. <laughs> I haku. We see uh, the goons literally cut through the wall into Inari's house. So these two, these two fucking guys. There's like one guy who's just like kind of a normal generic villain, and then there's another guy who can't stop cutting things. <laughs> it's funny because one of them presents, even in their appearance, as more laid back, and the other one is more brawny and more aggressive. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's just such a classic fallback in the animation of so many different series. Dating all the way back through both Western and Eastern animation mm-hmm. for all of time. And mm-hmm. the, the laid back one is basically wearing Double D's hat from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, yes. which I was really getting a kick out of. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> That's actually Double D. It is. Oh, okay. That's, he grew he, up, he, he dyed his a, hair, he got some tats. He grew up to be a really shitty goon And now he's samurai. a goon. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. The the cutting samurai is actually Eddie, just with like an intense tan. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, okay. Aww. So they uh, they refer to uh, Inari's mom as Tazuna's daughter because she is forbidden personhood. Yeah, you can't name her. This woman has no name. She has no identity beyond the men in her lives. And in fact, we should be much more worried about her. Not worried about what becomes of her, but worried about what she could do because a woman has no name. That's true. And then later it. threatens to bite her tongue off rather yeah. than have harm come to her son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reveals herself to be a secret badass. Yeah, no, I, I do. So, yeah. Uh, so that's something she's, I... She's actually secretly working for the Iron Bank. <laughs> <laughs> she has she has no face. She's fine. Tazuna is the titan of bravos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these jokes are going to be even more dated by the time this episode comes out. No, it's great. Inari comes downstairs, um, and the goons are going to kill him because they only need one hostage. But then, in as you were saying, in a kind of badass moment, she's like, no, if you touch my son, I will bite my tongue off and choke to death on my own blood. Which is pretty badass. It would be cool if this woman was allowed a name. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, still gets to do something cool, um, even if it's only explicitly related to protecting a dude in her life. Um, I mean, what's important is that we're advancing Inari's narrative. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, how much would that fuck you up? Hearing your mom say that she would commit suicide to stop goons from killing you. Like, I feel like... I'm just going to pretend we didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> I feel like this kid is like... I mean, obviously, he's legitimately fucked up from all the things that happened. But, like, he's almost, like, pre-fucked up. I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah, at this point, he's basically guaranteed... A horrible, horrible, like psychiatric health. I think ninja therapists. Just, I feel like ninja therapists just have, kill you. There have to be. There has to be something. There have to be legions of therapists in this world for the poor adults who survive it. Oh. Do you think ninjas have universal health care? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not at all. That's where all their wages go, or getting their wounds healed by the like two ninja doctors who aren't secretly taking kids or whatever. One of the the, the cut man um, says to Inari's mom, "Looking at that beautiful skin of yours makes me want to cut it, because um, these are just horrible monstrous sadists." 
Um, and then Inari just like runs toward them screaming. Because I guess what else would you, you do? You cut way forward. Did I? Yes, you did. Wow, you, you like, cut, you like cutting almost as much as that guy. <laughs> yeah, look at you, Elliot. I was wondering, did you do that now or did you do that later? That was uh, later. So they're cutting between what's going on with Inari so and his nameless mom. Oh, okay. And what's happening on the bridge, right. the fight. Mm-hmm. The whole time they're cutting back and forth. I'm like, that's not that's not where I am. I got really distracted in this episode. I felt like not a lot was happening. Um, <laughs> well, let's wait till next episode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But oh. yes, after so, I was super concerned Sorry. about the whole B and E that occurs, mm-hmm. even more than I was concerned about what was happening on the bridge, because I was like, these are two people who are not ninja, who are facing people who also are not ninja. But have swords. Have really big swords. It's just not. I'm way, way, way more worried about them than I am about the actual ninja. Yeah, well, Sasuke was fighting a tornado, which was not that upsetting to me at all. Right before Sasuke fights the tornado, by the way, I love that he has this line where he says that he hates brats that think they're cool. Mm. And Sasuke has, or Sakura has a moment where she's like, oh my god, you're so cool, Sasuke. And Kakashi flat out is like, I really wish, Sakura, that you had just made fun of him. Mm-hmm. Because it would have been so easy in that moment. Mm-hmm. Did, girl, yeah, you can do better. I know. <laughs> Sasuke, or excuse me, Kakashi, the voice of us all. Yes. Like, girl. Oh, there's this great song by Carly Rae Jepsen called Boy Problems, which you think is going to be like a dumb pop song about somebody who has problems with a boy. But it's actually a problem about like your friend who is sick of hearing from you about your boy problems. Um, And this moment made me think of it because Kagashi's just like so over soccer's boy problems. And she's like, you need to go solve these. Um, Also, you should all go listen to Carly Rae Jepsen's Boy Problems. I'm going to second that motion. Anyway, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen aside, um, Sasuke and Haku are having a really nice low-budget fight, uh, which means a lot of just, like, kunai pressed up against knitting needles while they talk about how they're fighting and how they can't lose. And there's, like, a shot, like, a still shot of just a kunai, like, isolated with no surroundings and not moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of re- repeated animation. Um, again, I thought a lot about animation budgets during this episode. Uh, Haku can make seals with one hand, which is apparently a big deal. Yeah, it is definitely a big deal if Kakashi's face is anything to go on because he actually looks scared. Totally. He looks, yeah, he looks like terrified. Um, and uh, Haku says something about how like, I've already won because I made puddles. Yep, um, he's like, I've done two things yes. already and you have only done one. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> math, I win. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then these puddles turn into like a thousand ice needles that are about to uh, skewer Sasuke. Uh, then we cut back to where Inari had just like charged towards the goons. Uh, I feel like I skipped over Inari's whole moment. Inari was like crying and crying and the goons were taking his mom away. And then he was like, he did that thing that every character does in the show where they like remember a sweet moment that they had with somebody. And they like, I think Inari like flashes back to like every kind word that anyone has ever said to him. Also his All mom saying his name um, because his mom has no personality beyond him. Um, and he like charges towards these ninjas and you're like, oh my God, what's, what's going to happen? They're going to cut him up. Um, but no, Naruto jumps in and saves him and his mom. I actually had a moment right after the log splits apart mm-hmm. where I was wondering, I was like, oh my God, did Inari do the replacement jutsu? <laughs> I was very tired. I had a very long day uh, at work and then I went home and watched this episode mm-hmm. in my defense. But I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, 
Really? And desperation made wow. him into a trained ninja. Wow! And then, no, of course, it was Naruto. And, I mean, it's still a great moment, mm-hmm. but I was slightly disappointed. <laughs> totally. Uh, I would say it's the classic Naruto moment. You know, it it's is. somebody, you know, it's like uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves, but the Lord is Naruto in this case. There you go. And now we realize suddenly why Naruto slept in. The whole purpose of him sleeping in was so that he could go and save Inari later. Absolutely. And also his mom, who was unconscious. Yeah. And Nar- remains unconscious for mm-hmm. the rest of the episode. She got bonked on the and head. And is probably never seen from again. Yes. So this is where that dead animal that Naruto saw in the last episode comes back. Saw for like one frame. Like I had to pause to even see that it was a dead animal. Um, but yeah, so Naruto saw all these dead animals and also just like chopped up trees and stuff and yep. just followed a trail of sword destruction because this one fucking goon just needs to cut everything this all guy the time. He's like a really bad serial killer mm-hmm. that's going on a just a degenerative spiral right before he combusts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this moment ends in a, a scene I thought was really disturbing and hilarious, where Inari, like, makes some dumb joke about how Naruto, like, uh, like, Naruto saved him just like a ninja would, and Naruto said, I was already a ninja, and then they're just laughing while there are the, all these bodies on the ground, like, yes! Inari's mom is, like, facing the camera, like, knocked out, and they're just laughing over these, you know, maybe corpses? For a strange, a strangely long amount of time. Totally. With just if she, if bodies on the ground. She's been unconscious this long, I mean, that's getting, like, pretty serious mm-hmm. like she has a severe concussion at least indeed i feel like that's just the case for most anime series characters remain unconscious for so long totally most of them should be dead there's like some kind of cognitive buffer for anime characters mm-hmm. <laughs> like they have an, an an extra like circulatory system that can like right? like i don't know like cause blood to flow until <laughs> there isn't until you watch in like some series that's way too real and has too much carnage and too much death and too much horror and everyone dies instantly and very mm-hmm. bloodily and you're like never mind yeah, and extra cushioning on the inside of their skulls yeah so exactly they can get like a contra coup concussion because their, <laughs> their brains don't bonk as hard against the skull yeah. anyway moving on they, they, the brains I are actually have a divided name for that yeah anime characters have brains separated throughout their body so like Part of their brain is like in their butt cheek and like maybe a little on their foot. So you can only do so much damage <laughs> okay, with yeah. a head wound. That makes sense. They like people thought stegosauruses were, but they aren't. In the really bad Time Machine movie that came out like 2002, like mm-hmm. that was one of the ways the really evolved people had like had like extra brain going down their spinal column. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of like that. Anyway, it's a just like place that. for it. It's mm-hmm. not protected there at all. Well, they had like they had like dumb minions to protect them. They're they like there's like the two. There's like the Morlocks, I think. They're like the famous things from the the, the time machine. H.G. Wells. Anyway, look it up. Uh, and there's like the dumb ones. There's like the intellectual class, and they had like extra brain, and they like controlled like the stupid ones, and went and they like captured humans and ate them or something. I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in like 15 years, but I'm so glad that cannibalism wins out in the end. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it's possible I've been completely misremembering that again. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> So Sasuke somehow manages to dodge around a thousand ice needles pointing at him from every direction. Um, and he kicks Saku real hard in the face. And that's, that's pretty much it. Then we come back to Naruto. Um, and he apologizes to Inari, which I thought was really cool. He apologizes to Inari for calling him a crybaby and tells him that he's strong. And Inari cries, of course. Um, but That's how it works out. Yeah. <laughs> But I thought this was very sweet. Again, like a lot of emotional growth on Naruto's part. Um, he like realized that what he said, you know, he was like really tired from training, and you know, he was a little harsh, and like, yeah, I don't, you know, this is a, this is a good kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naruto runs off to help with the bridge, um, <laughs> leaving a child to watch over the tied-up swordsman mm-hmm. and his unconscious mom. Right after teaching him to say Datebayo back at him, which is just terrible, Naruto. That is a horrible curse that you are spreading across the land. 
Could you explain that to me? Because, like, I kind of understand the Tebayo thing, but I also it's kind of don't. really, it's kind of like a speech inflection, and it's not, it's not an actual thing. It's unique to Naruto as a character, and it's sort of like, if you have a friend who constantly ends sentences with, you know, hmm. and things like that, it's like a speech inflection more than anything else. Hmm. Um, but like I said, this one is unique to Naruto. It doesn't really mean anything, thus... The struggle with the translation when the English version came out, and they're like, "Let's turn it into believe it," mm-hmm. and then that was. Everywhere. Does it have a literal meaning, or is it just like the guy from the Bachelorette who would yell, yell "Waboom" a bunch of times? <laughs> <laughs> Waboom! Oh man, I have not seen that episode or that season. Yeah, it's really bad. It. You shouldn't. You don't. Kinda, he was terrible. I kind of want to. I kind of, kind of want to go down that road. Anyway, um. Not to my knowledge, my extremely limited knowledge, mm-hmm. I would love to hear uh, if people have interpretations or actual meanings at us, please. I know that Paul does not want any adding, but at, at, at me, at, at a talk of the town, all you want, let us know. Mm-hmm. What the hell does Date Bayo mean and why is Naruto teaching it to impressionable children? And so, so we could think of it as like a catchphrase, basically. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. But like a like a gibberish catchphrase. Absolutely sort of? a catchphrase, actually. But a little bit gibberish, a little bit like you know at the end of every single sentence. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, that sounds. You fun. know? No. You know? No, I don't. Waboo! <laughs> uh, Haku, having failed to kill Sasuke through conventional ninja means, uh, summons a dome of ice mirrors around Sasuke and steps into them. And there are some crazy techniques that happen in the show, but this one struck me in the moment as being especially crazy. Totally. As the scene goes on, Haku is like, oh, teleportation. And mm-hmm. he mentions like a few other things like that. And it's like, but what is it actually? What is actually happening here? Well, and it's weird. So he has these mirrors that he can apparently basically teleport between because he moves between them so fast. But it's like a weird like saw torture device. Like he doesn't actually kill you. And it's super vulnerable to anybody from outside of it. But, like, all he does is just torture you with infinite needles? And he doesn't, he doesn't even, like, you know, like, impale them or anything. They appear to, like, just barely scratch their shoulders a bunch. Totally. So he just, like, cuts you, like, hundreds of times. Also, it's it's not, like, it's immune to the Sharingan because it's, like, like, a familial technique or something, mm-hmm. which really really just feels like the, the, the devs balancing it. It's like a non-inheritable <laughs> weapon in Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah, that was actually something very cool that we learned about it. And actually, I think the next episode, but still... We learned the existence of jutsu that exist only that can only be used if they're inherited through genetics, mm-hmm. which is very very cool, and it continues on through the show. We'll see more characters that have techniques like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sasuke tries to throw in a kunai to help Sasuke, but Haku just catches it. Um, but then a shuriken comes out of somewhere and manages to hit Haku um, and like bonks him out of the mirrors. Um, and it was of course thrown by Naruto, who appears in a very loud and massive puff of smoke. Uh, because he's very extra. And he could have done so much more damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but nope. he was so focused on his elaborate entrance. Totally. Like, There's like fireworks noises going off, and it's not clear of if they're uh, in kayfabe, so to speak, or like, not. congratulations, you <laughs> saved your lover, but you could have done a better job of it. Yeah, you don't like a professional wrestling term, you could use diegetic. <laughs> yes. Be the film term for that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Kayfabe, diegetic, and I'll say I watched... Uh, the Royal Rumble the other day. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. I was Ronda Rousey. (laughs) That's the end of the episode. (laughs) But it touches back so perfectly on what Kakashi said earlier in the episode where he was talking about how Sasuke was the number one rookie 
which we almost called this podcast, mm-hmm. and how Sakura is the sharpest mm-hmm. rookie, which I thought was a really wonderful moment. And then he calls Naruto something like the most hyperactive knucklehead ninja. Uh, the number one hyperactive knucklehead ninja. Which leads us right into episode 14 and Naruto's entrance at the end of episode 13. Just really is a cherry on top of that particular Sunday. Indeed. I love that Sasuke just... Or Sasuke. God, I'm drunk. I love Kakashi just being a dad there. He just yeah. like is in the middle of a fight just like I'm bragging proud of all my kids, students. but this <laughs> one is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> a Sakura almost got a yeah. perfect score in the SAT. Indeed. Don't ask me about Naruto. There was just one question that I've heard other parents have said that their kids struggle with it too. It's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, so totally. She shouldn't have been docked for it. Yeah. The mean dropped this year by 10 points. She's going to get so many subject tests. Elliot and Paul are going to be great dads. We're going to be bad dads. <laughs> and then, then that's the end of the episode. Let's take a break. <laughs> And we're back to talk about episode 14. The number one hyperactive knucklehead ninja joins the fight. Uh, This episode was mostly recap, and then Naruto jumps into the ice mirrors. And that's pretty much all that happens. Uh, I think we're going to get this one out really quickly. Um, So, yeah. So, uh, the reason I brought up the recap amount in the previous episode is, boy, howdy, there was eight solid minutes of recapping in this episode. Yep, there's no way to gloss over that or make it any prettier. That's exactly what happens. These episodes are about 21 minutes, including the intro and the outro, and eight minutes of it were spent recapping the entire series up until this point. Mm -hmm. You just wait. It's going to get worse. I know. I know it's going to get worse, but... Good grief. It was a very ominous sign. It's really interesting how I really liked episode 12, which had no recap. And I kind of like episode 13, which had a significant recap. And episode 14, I just want to put in the garbage because it had an eight minute recap. Hmm. An eight minute recap and then Naruto immediately explaining that the hero of the story generally appears in this situation and <laughs> just breaks the fourth wall. Indeed. I kind of, yeah, I love that Naruto believes he is the hero in this story. And everyone is so annoyed. Totally. I think that really speaks to Naruto though, because like, I mean, A, he literally is the hero of the story, but also he, like, kind of is the hero in this story, even in kayfabe. (laughs) Um, But also, he's a terrible ninja. (laughs) And so, like, of course he believes that he's the hero in a story, because he's really bad at his job. Yep, he's the worst at it, but he has the highest ambitions. Um, there is some... Uh, what's there, what's the, there's a psychological phenomenon where the people who are, who are like worst at something are the ones that believe in themselves the most. There's a, there's a term for it, but I can't Cognitive remember Cognitive dissonance? Yeah, but there's like, it's like a, like a, like a, some, you know, philosophy, some like psychologist's last name, you know, phenomenon. Clinical delusion? Nah, it's, I'll look it up. I'll, hold Menace on. to society. You guys talk about ninjas. I'll be right back. This, I, I think there is a thing like that. Um, also, I mean, um, there is a phenomenon where adolescents kind of believe they are a protagonist in a story. Um, the, oh, I forget the name. It's, but it's something like the onstage phenomena or whatever, where young people, like, literally are more likely to believe that they are, like, the protagonist in a story. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with, like, adolescent invulnerability, which is this idea that, like, young people kind of don't believe that consequences can come to them. Oh, goodness. Um, that is much more sinister than what I was thinking of. I was thinking that that is sweet and kind of sad, considering how we are just specks of dust in an endless universe. All right, I'm oh, totally. It's called, way more existential. <laughs> it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, where the the people who are 
the most confident in their abilities a lot of times are the people who are most below average because they don't understand the situation well enough to understand their shortcomings. I think that makes a lot of sense, though. I think, I don't know, I, I feel this, I, I was a psych major, and I, I encountered this so often with stuff in psych where, you know, somebody would, like, their life's work would be something that's like, oh, yeah, that seems kind of obvious. Like, you need awareness about what you are doing wrong in order to, like, realize that you aren't good at it, you know? As Socrates mm-hmm. said, the most wise among us are those who don't believe themselves to be wise. Ooh. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Aw. This is not a philosophy podcast. How about, <laughs> how about Kant, eh? Kant, count on that guy. How many hedons did you guys earn today? Okay, so after everyone's really embarrassed effect. of Naruto, and I'm also embarrassed and also very loving of these two. Jean-Paul Sartre. We jump right back into a flashback after that eight-minute recap. We just <laughs> go into a flashback. I wanted to turn my computer off. <laughs> You should have. Uh, we should turn it off right now. Anyway, um, luckily Sasuke and Kakashi uh, basically just call out Naruto for being an idiot. Um, thank God. They're just like, that was really dumb. Like, have you like have you heard of Surprise? Or do you know what ninjas do? Yeah, then- so other than the, the recaps and the flashbacks, the, also about half the remaining of this episode is just Kakashi and Sasuke just telling Naruto how dumb he is. Yeah. Pretty much accurate and, yeah. and well-deserved. But- we get one delicious <laughs> moment of action where Haku stops Zabuza's attack on Naruto, mm-hmm. which is so cool, but then Kakashi is just standing around, mm-hmm. scolding Naruto, and everyone else is standing around, and unfortunately, this is like a very familiar scenario in a lot of fighting series and mm-hmm. anime like there's just a lot of standing around that happens and monologuing and you're like guys yeah you're right i hadn't really thought of that you... but that moment doesn't really land in the show it's like a cool right? moment when haku yeah like knocks the sabo's attack out of the air but the, the moment doesn't really work or doesn't really have any impact because they spend like 45 so seconds like chatting before they get back to it mm-hmm. yeah and then and then like then it's not even talking really related to that. And then Haku yeah. like explains himself, but it's like 90 seconds later. God, I was getting flashbacks to Dragon Ball Z before they made Kai. It's just not, it's not good. Not well, a good use of time. I mean, yeah, like you said, you do see this a lot in fighting in, in shonen anime shows, in long serialized shows. And it's really unfortunate. You know I mean? I, I made a lot of dumb jokes about like the b- budgets, but also budgets. Like these are the kind of episodes that they have to make when their budget is, is you know, cut or really mm-hmm. tight, but they need to get a certain amount of episodes out of an arc. And it um, depends on when they're making the episodes, how much of the manga is out, how quickly mm-hmm. the manga is being produced, and things like that. So totally. it's just it's pacing anim- is a nightmare sometimes in anime. It's the anime equivalent of a bottle episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, it, it's 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 really unfortunate. And I mean, you see this in a lot of shows, though. Like uh, like Legend of Korra had uh, one of these episodes. Um, and, and I remember because at, at this point in my life I was like following the creators on Twitter mm-hmm. and they tweeted about how sad they were that they had to make this episode and they like really made a concerted effort to make it into the best thing that they could but yeah. it was it was either that or like fire some of their staff and they didn't want to fire some of their staff yeah I feel like usually people are pretty aware when something like this is happening in their series and they feel you know you don't feel good about putting out a subpar product and at the same time mm-hmm. what choice do you have you do the best you can with it totally Speaking of doing the best you can with it, so Haku asks Zabuza to just let him fight this battle in his own way, which is apparently the way where he doesn't kill the other kids, he just tortures them with a lot of needles, Mm -hmm. and Kakashi and Zabuza just kind of agree, like, okay, we'll let the kids fight this one. Right. Like, they're just, like, gonna stand in the background, like, They kick out some Adirondack chairs, Mm -hmm. they open a couple of cores. So it's It's like a youth soccer game, it's like the the, the parents, like, sitting on the sidelines. There's some orange slices, it's great. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Yelling at the refs. also Sakura is there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Haku gets back in the ice mirrors, and this is where we kind of learn that he can basically teleport. We already sort of talked about this. Weird, like, non-fatal needle torture that he subjects them to. Um, there's a really cute moment where Sasuke is, like, hatching a plan. Like, okay, if Naruto's on the outside and I'm on the inside, we can... And then Naruto just jumps inside the ice mirrors, and he's like, I'm here! <laughs> Yo, I came to save you! <laughs> um, just... Yeah. Which is uh, so sweet, and they're in love, but oh, yeah. you poor sweet boy. And then they bicker, and the music pairing with it is so yes. perfect and good. And Naku just lets them talk. Yeah. Everyone's just standing Nobody's there. Nobody's like, in oh any hurry. God. I mean, the, the, the makers of the show are in no hurry. I mean, all Haku's the other in no bridge hurry. builders are unconscious. Yeah. Like, the gangsters only benefit from Zabuza the bridge and taking a long Kakashi time. Kakashi are just like chatting. And just, like, <laughs> totally. Everyone's winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's while having, all of us are losing. Everybody's having a pretty good time. Almost. Everyone except the viewers is having a great <laughs> yeah. time. So yep. at least there's that. Um, Sasuke tries to fireball the mirrors, but they but it can't. Oh, sorry, I was freaking out because there's a moment where uh, Haku just throws shade at Sasuke. He's like, "Oh, the mirrors won't melt at that level of firepower." Mm. Just a very subtle way of being like, "Your level isn't mine." Mm-hmm. Sorry. This to the kid who's used to being the best. Sure. I just who was just the best. Like yeah. he just like outspeeded Haku. I love that Haku shades Sasuke. It yeah. just it delights me. Naruto talks a bit about his dream of being a Hokage. Um, not the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, Why we, not? We, we'd been uh, too long. We didn't um, know about it, so. Uh, you know, it's, it had been a while since the eight minutes of recap in which we talked about it extensively. And we have a, a, we flash back again to uh, Zabuza and Haku as a child, um, which was actually really cool. Um, because I forget what exactly Zabuza says to Haku. He, like, calls him, like, a pathetic wretch. Yeah. He's, like, horrible to this poor, starving orphan Haku. And Haku just says, like, you have the same eyes as me. Um, which is really intense, because mm-hmm. Zabuza is just, like, a, a, a terrific serial murderer. Yeah. Um, and, and he looks shocked. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, God, it's such a frustrating moment, because they give us a little bit more, and mm-hmm. then they cut away again. Yeah. Ugh. Totally. I just want to know. It's been a long time since I've watched the series again. Mm-hmm. I just, I need to, I need the backstory. The delicious sure. backstory. I want to drink it up through a straw mm-hmm. right now. Well, I saw this as, I mean, a, in in my mind, Haku and Zabuza are in a loving relationship. Um, and it's complicated and there's stuff the to unpack least. there. But they're like obviously in a relationship. And it yes. is a romantic relationship. And This isn't even the gay of the ninja. This is the fact of the ninja. This, yeah, indeed. This is the yeah. canon of the ninja. Yeah. <laughs> this is just the show that we're watching. Indeed. Mm-hmm. The, the gay fave of the ninja. Um, <laughs> and I really like that. I like that, you know, these are two wildly different people of totally different backgrounds and ages, which is very complicated. Um, and Haku is just immediately like we have this connection that i can i can see and is is like powerful and and i mean i don't know a a part of me thinks that like that idea of like you know of of instant romance is pretty stupid um and probably very unhealthy but also kind of beautiful like (laughs) but is it romance that's occurring in that moment or is it something else because again we've only been given so much information and a lot of it has been very conflicting information Mm -hmm. where we're told that Zabuza is a monster and a lot of it seems to track. Mm -hmm. But with Haku, we have someone who is much more subtle, who has a very gray moral compass, Mm -hmm. who considers and thinks about mercy a lot. Mm -hmm. Who has been responsible for zero deaths that we're told explicitly about or that we see, yeah. Exactly. There's so much that we don't know about Haku and I feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit, don't you? Totally. Yeah, no, it's... it's, So I feel like there's got to be something twisted up 
in their initial meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of I, when I was when I was watching that, I, I saw it as, as one. Yeah, kind of like as Kayla was saying, is one of two things. Either we have the same eyes, meaning like you're a fucked up psycho, and so am I. Or the opposite, like we have the same eyes. You're not nearly as bad as people think you are. You like me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like couldn't tell which one it was going for. It really feels like it go either way. I think I, I read it as somewhere in between those two. Like, you have the eyes of somebody whose life has been incredibly painful. And mm-hmm. I do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I don't know. like not Either get, way, it's an incredibly empathetic moment. Totally. Which is perfect for the well, show. And I mean, I think that's what their relationship is based off of. Like, you know, regardless of everything else, they're relationship is clearly based off of like a deep and profound empathy for one another so maybe that's why Zabuza was so shocked in that moment of Haku saying that Mm -hmm. because he has probably never had someone empathize with him before considering everything he had gone through up till that moment totally and I mean we're obviously extrapolating pretty much all we know about Zabuza is that he's a kid who showed up and murdered a bunch of people this is a fanfic that we're writing right now in front of you I would be hard pressed to believe that this kid did not have a fucked up childhood Mm um anyway we've spent too long talking about this too short episode um (laughs) So after that flashback, um, Haku basically talks about how he doesn't want to kill Naruto and Sasuke, but uh, he is not afraid to, quote, put his feelings to the sword and kill them anyway. Uh, He doesn't want to be a ninja. He wants to protect Zabuza, and he will do whatever it takes in order to do that. Which, for me, makes it impossible to hate him as a character. It's impossible to hate this guy. Anyone with that kind of devotion and resolve, even if what they're doing could just be evil mm-hmm. you can't hate them I, I'm 100% on board I love Haku I think Haku is the coolest character in the show so far uh, hands down it was hard to stop here I really wanted to start the next episode <laughs> well, uh, no, this, is, this is barely an episode so. <laughs> yeah. right it was five minutes a little well, mm-hmm. kernel of the past and then we had to just move on yep <sighs> and uh, speaking of moving on uh, that is the end of the episode As always, we're going to end this episode on a positive note by talking about one thing that we liked from these episodes. We're going to go really quick through this this time because, frankly, we really liked these episodes a lot. Except for the last one. Except for the last one, which, I mean, it still had some good stuff. Still ended on a relatively positive note. So, one thing that I really liked about these episodes is right before Haku and Zabuza got to the bridge, uh, Gato was, like, like ordering them, like, hey, you better get back and go kill these people. And Zabuza just fucking crushes the walkie-talkie. Like, there's no real reason for him to do this. It's just, like, a a beautiful statement. Like, I give so little of a shit about you. I'm still going to do this job, but I'm doing it for me. So, like, go fuck yourself. I would love to crush my cell phone a lot of the time um and i i really lived for that moment uh i i really enjoyed how needlessly complicated the whole ice mirror technique is it's just like so like just just there's so much going on and it just seems just so just needlessly complex and and like intricate as just like a like a ninja technique and i just loved it like with more of that please I love this sort of common underlying thread in each of these episodes about how important it is to have people that you want to protect. Um, for a little while, it was Inari and Kaiza, his dad relationship with him. Um, it's happening between Haku and Sabuza. And then there's a moment right after Sasuke gets hit with all the needles when both Naruto and Sakura call out Sasuke's name. And it it's just struck me as such a moment of protectiveness mm. that hasn't really happened for that team quite yet mm-hmm. and yet in that moment it's like this first big unifying thing that happens so totally i love it you really see this team coming together as a as a team you do from like proud dad kakashi to you know sasakura 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 <laughs> wow i'm wasting the actual team seven sasakura <laughs> sasakaruto um that's there anyway um i'm yeah. we're just gonna move on from this verbal abortion yes i quite agree 
And that's going to wrap things up for us. Uh, if you like this episode and if you've liked our previous episodes, please uh, give us a like, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your your podcatcher of choice is. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Otaku the Town. Um, you can send us an email if you have questions, if you have feedback, if you just want to drop us a line. If you've written some beautiful fan fiction about ninja loggers or Sakura's ghosts, um, you can send that to us at otakuthetown at gmail.com. Um, you can hit me up on my personal Twitter at IntrepidHero. Uh, do either of you have any Twitters you want to share to the world? Nope. I do. Paul doesn't. I do but not. I do. I made one specifically for this podcast, and you can follow me at Kaz, that's K-A-Z, at Otaku on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, so next episode... Um, I think this arc ends at episode 19. Uh, we'll definitely talk about at least episodes 15 and 16. Maybe 15, 16, 17. Probably not past episode 19. Because I have a feeling that once we hit the next arc, we're just going to like take a deep breath. Um, but so if you are the one person who is thinking about maybe watching along to this show while we talk about it, um, that's your homework for next week. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for listening. I'm Elliot. I'm Kayla. I'm Paul. And as always... If you have 19 minutes in which to tell a narrative, do not waste eight minutes of it recapping things you have already told. That was really specific. I'm excited to pull all of these quotes. He's a perfect demon. I adopted Zorro from a coven of witches at the edge of the woods in Massachusetts. Well, you did a good job. Really?